Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter number uh, 25 today, 1 Samuel chapter number 25, and uh, we've been enjoying this series, or I sure have been enjoying this series on truth and dare, and so today we're going to look at another aspect of David's life that I think is an aspect that all of us need to get a hold of, is sometimes we have to deal with difficult people. And we have to deal with people that, you know, it's like, uh, I don't understand why these people are doing this and why they're treating me this way. And how do we respond to it? Because, you know, in the, in the Christian life, it's all about, we can't control what others do, but we can control what we do, how, how we're going to respond to things. And so I want you to see this this morning. A couple of verses, if you have your Bible there, 1 Samuel 25 beginning in verse number one, and I'll, I'll take you through a couple of verses here, but in chapter 25, verse number one, the Bible says, and Samuel died, and all Israel, all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran, and there was a man in Maon whose possessions were uh, were in Carmel, and the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The man was Nabal. The name of his wife was Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance, but the man, look at this is a Bible word here, and we're going to learn a little bit about this word, the man was churlish, okay? Uh, the, the other day, or last week or the week before, we talked about a, a Bible word called magnifical. And a couple of people have said to me, Pastor, I like that word. And they're, they're trying to use that word, and people just stare. I'm like, that's not a word. That's not a real word. Today, the Bible word is the word churlish, as it says here in verse number three. The man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. Now drop down to verse number 10 in the same chapter. The Bible says, Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants uh, now a, da uh, a days that break away every man from his master. Verse 11, Shall I then take my bread, Nabal said, and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my she uh, shearers, and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be. So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David's, uh, David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them, the Bible says. Now, there's other places that I think you're kind of catching a little bit of the context here about there's three characters this morning in our passage. We're going to look at each one of them. The first one is this man by the name of Nabal. And we're going to talk a little bit about this man. Then we're going to talk about his wife, whose name was Abigail. And then we're going to talk about, of course, David. So I want you to notice as we think about this passage that when, when I looked at this passage and I started to think about Nabal's treatment of David, the Bible has a lot to say about seeking and receiving counsel. Uh, this past week, I had a young man 
that uh, it now has, he's married, he has a wife and two children, a little two-month-old boy. And he called me, and I had the privilege of teaching this young man uh, a couple years ago in Bible college. And he called me and he said to me, he says, uh, Brother Keeley, can I talk to you about some things? And we began to talk, he shared some things with me. And what he was doing was he was seeking counsel. Now you do know there's a difference between seeking counsel and receiving counsel, right? How many times we ask something from somebody wanting an answer and we get an answer, but it's not what we want, right? And you're like, well, I appreciate the answer, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> I, 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 that's not exactly. And here's what we do is, we, then we're like, okay, well, I'll ask somebody else. And we keep asking people until we find somebody that gives us the answer that we want. And so the Bible has a lot to say about, and I think it's a wise thing for us to seek counsel. I, personally, I, I feel like any, especially major decisions in your life, you know, uh, all the way down to the job that you're gonna that you're gonna take, the 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 person that you're gonna marry, the house that you'll live in, the church that you will attend, and listen, there's even smaller decisions. I've said this before, and I know it sounds kind of funny. My home pastor, he used to pray about the shoes that he wore. He would pray that that, that God would put his shoes on sale. My, my, my father-in-law's here, and he knows that's a true story. He probably has forgot that. But I remember one time I came to church, and he was wearing a brand-new pair. And he goes, hey, look at these shoes. What do you think of them? And I looked at them. They were the same shoes he's wore ever since I've known him. 30-some years he was wearing the same shoes. And I looked down, and I said, boy, those are nice. Those are nice. And he says, boy, you never believe it. He says, I was praying that these shoes would go on sale. He said they went on sale. He said, I bought three pairs. Guess what? All three were black. He bought three of the exact same. That means for the next 30 years, he's going to be wearing the same shoes for the next 30 years. Listen, but to him, he felt like, it, it, look, if I'm going to make a decision in my life, I need to seek counsel, and not just seek counsel, but I need to receive the counsel that I get. And, I, and that young man, when I talked to him the other day, I said, look, if somebody asked me, you know what I'm going to do? Is I'm, from a, a biblical standpoint... I'm going to share what I believe God would have me to share that will be a help to them, whether, whether it's something they want to hear or not. See, what we need to tell people is the truth. We need to share the truth with people, and we need to do it in love. Look at Proverbs 13, 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. There's safety and stability in a multitude of counselors. Uh, listen, I, I have no problem at all. As a matter of fact, I would welcome if you had something that you would want to come to me and say, Pastor, uh, this is something I've been praying about. This is something that I, I, I want to ask you about. And listen, not only me, maybe other people in the church. And I will say this, if you're going to ask counsel of someone as a Christian, find a spiritual person to ask counsel of. You want somebody that's going to have a heart that is toward God. If you're seeking counsel, and it says here again that he that walketh with wise men, uh, the Bible says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, where no counsel is, the people what? The, no, 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 that's a different verse. Look at this. Where no counsel is, the people what? Fall. Fall. Yeah, 
where the word of God is not, okay, where there's no vision, the people perish. But the Bible says here, where there's no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Look at Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Proverbs 24, 6. For the wise counsel that shall make thy war... And in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Remember the story about Lot and, and how Lot refused to listen to the counsel of his uncle? Does anybody know what city he ended up in? Sodom. Sounds to me like he should have listened to his uncle. He should have listened to the counsel and as a result, Lot lived that life where no counsel is, the people fall. See, there's a number of times when you look at the life of David, and I think it's a great example for us today, there's a number of times in his life when David was willing to seek counsel and to receive counsel. And keep in mind that David in the Bible is known as a mighty man. I mean, a lot of times people think, well, David wouldn't need that. David was such a great man of God. He was a man after God's own heart. Can I tell you that the greatest pastor, if there is one in, the, in this country or in the world today, he still needs counsel. This pastor needs counsel. And so David's life stands as an example. Now, today's, uh, today's lesson deals with those three individuals. Notice the first one, and notice the word here. Notice Nabal's provocation is provocation. That's a big fancy word for this, that Nabal in his own way attacked David, an all-out attack against David. He was unfriendly to him. He was unkind to him. He treated David very poorly. Anybody ever felt that way before? You know, people unkind, they treat you unfairly, they treat you poorly. And so Nabal, listen, he chose to mistreat David and his men the way he did. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 5, and this is what Jesus tries to help us as he was on this earth in the Beatitudes. And right at the end of that, he says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you. What's that next word? Falsely. In other words, it's not true. Now let me ask you this. Look at me. Matthew 5, 11, and 12. Who said those words? Come on, talk to me. Who? Jesus, do you think that those were just empty words Jesus said, or do you think Jesus lived Matthew 5, 11, and 12? He lived it. And if you're saved this morning, guess what you and I should do? We should live those words. We should practice what Jesus was preaching there, is that we should understand. Look at the next word there. He says, they might say something against you falsely. Notice, even for my sake... But the next word he says, rejoice. Isn't that interesting? People are saying false things about me, things that are not true. And he says that as a child of God, we are to rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You know, here's our problem is, is if somebody's going to attack us, somebody's going to do something or say something about us, we want that to be taken care of and recognized. We want our, our, our treat while we're here on this earth. But if you remember what Jesus said, great is your reward where? In heaven. That means, look, 
whether you see it in this life or not, if you stay faithful to God, even when people are falsely accusing you and treating you poorly, in this case, Nabal towards David, God says, listen, don't worry about it. He says, I, I, I know what's going on. You don't have to keep count. Uh, listen, I'll take care of you. Your reward will be waiting for you someday when you get to heaven. Do you get that this morning? See, look, don't be looking for some gratification while you're on this earth. God says, listen, I'll reward you someday. You just stay faithful. I know what he's saying about you. I know what they're doing or how they're treating you. But he says, look, understand we've got to have, notice letter A, the right attitude. Because Nabal's attitude was not the right attitude. It was churlish, the Bible says in verse number three. See, look, we are to be kind to other people. People are not always kind back toward us. You know, that's the hard thing is, listen, I was treating him good. I was being good to him. And look what he did. Look what he said. Look how he's treating me. Now, this word churlish, here's what it means, because it reflects Nabal's attitude. Here's what it means. It means to be rude. In other words, he was mean-spirited towards David. Anybody ever had to deal with a rude person? You know? Well, there are some really rude. I mean, listen, not even in just in a conversation, but even when you're out driving around. Has anybody, this happened to me and my wife again the other day. I think it happens almost every day when I'm driving right here in this area. You're sitting, you're sitting there and you've waited through two lights to turn. The arrow only lasts like three cars. And so you finally get up there after waiting all this time behind all these cars. You're up there ready to turn left, waiting for that green arrow. And somebody comes up in one of the straight lanes next to you and they pull right over like, like they're going to ram your car. And then they look over at you and then they, they point like this, like I want over there. And I'm like, is that happening to anybody else? Man, I'm telling you what, it's like, look, the line's back there. Go get back there where everybody, you know. You, and so you're thinking to yourself, how rude, you know. And it's like, look, you can, you can my wife's like, now look, she, she kind of looks at me and she says, hun, this is, this is wise counsel from a wife to a husband. She says, you need to let him in because he's going to ram you if you don't, you know. And I'm like, but it's my turn. i got to go. You know, I'm like, I've been sitting there waiting and he just came up. You know, I mean, we have these conversations. I know nobody else ever has these conversations. We do in our car all the time. And, and the, the amazing thing is she's always right. And I'm always wrong, you know. You know, it's just the way it is in our home sometimes. But, but here's the thing is sometimes people are just, they're rude to us. And that's the way Nabal was. Can I tell you that carnal people, that's, that's, we run into so many people nowadays, they are carnal, they're fleshly, and they have carnal attitudes. We cannot control how other people act, but we can control the way we react. And we're going to learn a little bit about David. But we're learning right now about Nabal. We're learning about how rude this man was to David. See, his attitude was churlish or rude. Notice letter B, his actions were contemptuous. This man was mean-spirited. He was unwilling. He didn't want to share his food. When I, was, when I was a kid growing up, I had a lot of cousins. And I was a little guy, and all my cousins were about your size. But they were my age. And I was like, this is not fair. 
I mean, how are all my cousins this big and I'm this little bitty guy? We'd sit down to eat, and I mean, they would grab all the bowls of uh, mashed potatoes and everything, and they'd pile it all on their plates, and then they would put both their big arms around their plates like this, like, you're not getting anything on my plate. That's what they would do. And, and sometimes that's just the way people are, is they don't want to share things. Listen, that's the nature. That starts in the nursery in our church. These are my toys. Those kids come into church, they don't come with toys. The nursery's full of toys. But when they get in there, those are their toys. They don't want to share. And that's the way Nabal was. Nabal thought to himself, look, I'm, I'm not going to share my food with your men, David. Now, David's men were starving. They hadn't had anything to eat. And although Nabal had more than enough, Nabal thought, I'm not sharing. Listen, folks, when we see people with needs, we should be willing to share what we have. Matter of fact, listen, in, in the very spirit of Jesus, sometimes it would do us well to be like him and listen, just give them what we have, even if it means doing without. I know, I know that's, that's the way the Lord is. Look what it says in Proverbs 3.27, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. See, we all have the ability. We all have the opportunities to help those. Let's not be like Nabal. Nabal acted as if he didn't even know David. I mean, remember what he says there? Who is David, the son of Jesse? I mean, I don't, look, how could Nabal say that? Everybody knew who David was back in that day. There was no hiding the fact. Listen, this was long before cell phones and the internet and, and, and CNN and NBC and all those things. Listen, this was way before any social media, but word would spread about certain people. Now think about Jesus. Word spread about Jesus. And Nabal acted like, well, I don't even know who this guy is. I'm not sharing my food with him. He was rude towards him. He was contemptuous, uh, mean-spirited towards him. He was determined. Listen, David... In his life, David faced many times rejection and disrespect from, from someone that, that David thought maybe that they were going to actually be better towards him. But in Nabal's heart, what he was doing was he was determined about this man named David that he was going to seek revenge. Look, listen to what Royard said. He said, to return good for good, to return good for good is human. To return evil for evil is brutal. To return evil for good is diabolical, but to return good for evil is divine. To return good for evil, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When Jesus hung on that cross, listen, he gave his life, the precious life of God, the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he gave good for evil. And David is a man that we're going to see in our lives, even though he was being poorly treated. Listen, David responded the way we should respond. Now, I want you to see not only Nabal, but remember, Nabal had a wife. And listen, the Bible says, I just, we were just going through some discipleship the other day. He that findeth a wife findeth what? A good thing. Now, some of, you, some of you men should have said that louder. <laughs> he that findeth, the wife findeth. Okay, Wally gets the prize this morning. 
The rest of you men are pathetic, all right? Because I'm going to tell you something. She's the best thing that ever happened to you. There you go. And she gets the prize, too. She's amening herself this morning, all right? Now, here's the thing. Listen. Every wife, I've done weddings, and a lot of times I will give a charge or a challenge to a couple as they stand in the presence of God with their friends and family. And, and many times I will address the, the, the husband, the, the groom, and the bride individually. And a lot of times I'll say to the bride, you know, he is going to make some mistakes. Yeah. There's an honest man back there. And a lot of times, you know, listen, you know, we've been married now so long, and my wife, she, she, she still has so much work to be done when it comes to me. I mean, I always tell young girls, listen, what you need to do is you need to find some young man that you're willing to invest the rest of your life into, because that's really what it is. You know, men are knuckleheads. And you think about this guy Nabal, that's what he was. He was rude to David. He was mean-spirited towards him. And here's Abigail. She knows her husband's faults. She knows this, the way this man can be. And I, I want you to see Abigail's plea because it, she is a wise wife. The Bible even alludes to that. She began to intercede for her foolish husband. Notice three things that Abigail was, okay? And, and by the way, ladies, I, I, you probably are already this way, but if not, this is a great lesson for you uh, it, because, again, sometimes your, your husband, if you have one, he may not be the way he should be. But look at this, letter A, she was responsive. See, she, she hurried to get involved. I mean, she saw what was going on how Nabal was treating David. She saw the emergency there. She saw how David and his men had not eaten, uh, eaten anything. And so she ran to meet that need. She moved in quickly to do what was right. See, a lot of times we see things, but we don't do anything about it. And she was responsive. <clears throat> Listen, we, we should be the same way in our lives. Is If God puts something on our hearts, we should obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit of God. If God lays someone or something on our hearts, we should do just like Abigail. We should respond. We should go as quickly as we can to meet that need. And that's what she did. She was responsive. Look at Ephesians 5, 16. The Bible says, redeeming the time because the days are what? Is this world getting better? No. But watch this. You're still here. I'm still here. God's on the throne. God's still giving us an opportunity. Even in a wicked world with wicked people, we still have an opportunity to respond. Why do you think sometimes when you turn the television on, you see all these ads where they paint these pictures, and then at the end of it, what do they do? They make a plea for you to send money. Because Jeremiah said, mine eye hath affected mine heart. See, that's, that's the way we should do is. When we see a need, especially if it's something that God's put on our heart. Listen, Abigail saw what her husband was doing towards David, and she responded. Listen, her quick action actually earned the respect of David. It gained, ultimately, the salvation of almost all of her family. I mean, this was a woman 
that knew what needed to be done, and she did it. So notice her response. But secondly, not only was she responsive, she was respectful. And when you see Abigail step in, the Bible records that she actually fell on her face before David. Now, if you see that in the Bible, many times what that is, is that's, that's an act of respect. She wasn't worshiping David. We're not supposed to worship man. But we worship God. But she was respecting David for who he was, the position that he held. She took the, the blame of this situation. Listen, ladies, she took the blame of her husband on herself. You ever done that in your life where somebody else made a mistake and you took the blame for it? I've had to do that many times as a Christian. It's not something that you enjoy doing, but again, sometimes it's the thing that needs to be done. And when you do that, listen, when you respect somebody like Abigail did David, it, it reflects a, a spirit of, of humility. Look at the verse here in James 4.10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Listen, is that what God did for Joseph? Joseph was humbled by God. He was put into the pit, he put into prison, but God ultimately lifted him up, did he not? See, look, somebody said it this way, and I've just remembered it over the years. God's way up is down. See, listen, it, it should never... Remember the, the discussion among the disciples? Here's the question. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? I mean, man, that was a major... Even their mama got into that one, Maylene. You know, she's like, which one of my boys is going to get sit on the right and which one on the left? You know, Jesus said, that's not mine to give. The reality is, is that many times we don't want to show the respect that we should. Listen, we live in a world today where people don't respect authority, right? People don't respect police officers. Look, I understand a lot of police officers have done some very stupid things, some wrong things. I get that. But does that mean all of them have? Do we throw all law enforcement under the bus? No. I mean, you know, I love it when maybe, maybe a pastor will make a stupid mistake, and so people lose all confidence in the authority that God's placed in the church because of what one person does. So we don't, we don't respect. In the home, children don't respect their parents. What does the Bible say? Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? It's right. It's the right thing to do. And I was telling a man, I think it was yesterday, <clears throat> I said this. I said, look. You can be 20, 30, 50 years old. And even though you're an adult, you are a, still a child of your parents. So here's the verse. Children, yeah, I know you're 60. Now, again, the relationship, the authority relationship, it's changed some because you're no longer in their home. You're no longer under the authority in the home but you're still supposed to respect the authority in your life. Now watch this. How many of you are saved? If you're saved this morning, according to the Bible, you're a child of God. Here's the verse. Children, obey. God wants you to obey even as a child of God. 
See, the principle never changes. And Abigail, she relied on this principle. And as a result of that, you know what happened? David was merciful towards her. Because she respected him, she fell before him. <clears throat> we have to humble ourselves. Look, you can go through life full of pride, but I will tell you this. If you're saved, well, even if you're not saved, one day you will bow at the, at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. So you might as well learn now that that, that is what we need to do is respect God, respect the authority. See, Abigail was responsive. She was respectful. Notice thirdly, she was reasonable. I know sometimes we think, think well, you know, so-and-so is not very reasonable, you know. But we need to understand that Abigail is a great example here. Abigail knew that God was just. She knew that. She knew that, 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 that God wouldn't slay the innocent. So what she wanted to do was she wanted to try to correct or to rectify the mistake of her husband. She was trying to work this situation. She was preparing to do something about it. She wasn't just going to talk about it. She was actually going to do something about it. And she took, when she took the blame of this situation, when she said, look, I understand what my husband did. I understand how he's been towards you and your men. And, and when she took that blame, what happened was, is that it actually touched the heart of David. David thought, wow, I can't, you know, I, this is something that I haven't seen. This is rare. It's like when you go out in public, do you ever say to people, yes, sir, or no, sir? Do people look at you funny when you say that? Yeah, because you don't hear that much anymore. Or, or how about this one? Thank you. Or I appreciate you. Yeah, some of you, if you go out for lunch today, probably the worst day to go out to a restaurant for lunch, but if you go out to lunch today somewhere, be nice to the waitress and see how much better your service gets. See, show some respect, be reasonable. And so what Abigail does is she appeals to David's justice and to the mercy of David. Look, we can be the same way when we appeal to God. We know that God is just. And, and listen, we also know God is merciful. And if we make that appeal to God in our need, then guess what God's going to do? God's going to be merciful towards us. So we see Nabal's provocation, his attack on David. We see Abigail's plea, but watch how David, remember what I said, we can't control what others do to us. David couldn't control Nabal. Listen, even Abigail couldn't control Nabal. But I want you to see, because of the plea, because someone stepped, watch this, here's Nabal. And here's David. Who's in between? Abigail. Abigail. Now you think about us. Here's us, sinners. And here's God. Who's in between? Jesus. Aren't you glad we have a mediator? <clears throat> that mediator's not Mary. It's the Lord Jesus. And from the life of Jesus, look, even David, David responded. Notice David's persuasion. David had already made up his mind because he was a king, because of the way Nabal had treated him. David thought, listen, I'm, I'm right in this regard. Nabal and his family, they deserve to be destroyed. In the past, David had, had certainly done his part. David had gone out of his way, like not only for Nabal, but for others, to protect the property 
of Nabal, and, and he had allowed his men, as they were watching over Nabal's property, he had made sure that they would not steal anything from Nabal, that they hadn't taken anything unfairly. But now that Nabal is insulting David, David thought to himself, I mean, listen, how should I repay this guy? Now, opposite of God's word, listen, I want you to see that the teachings of the word of God, what it teaches us in Matthew 5, Look at what Jesus says here. He says, I say unto you, love your who? Enemies. He says here, bless them that curse you and do good to them that hate you. And he says, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I mean, after the way that Nabal treated David, David was determined that he was going to destroy Nabal and his household. But here's Abigail. And she was used instrumentally to step in and to persuade David to change his mind. Let me give you a New Testament example of this. Remember, remember the individual in the Bible by the name of Paul who used to be Saul of Tarsus? And you remember who the first individual that befriended Paul and they went on some missionary journeys together? What was his name? Barnabas. Barnabas. And do you remember a young man that joined them that actually kind of left the work for a while? What was his name? John Mark. Do you remember what Paul's comment about this John Mark was? Huh? He's, he says, he's not profitable. In other words, now a lot of times we think to ourselves, how could Paul, the great man of God, how could Paul be that way? How could Paul just say, hey, look, the kid's not going to work out. Let him go. He took off. He went back to his mama. You know, but see, look, you don't understand if you study the writings of the word of God and how God had so changed Paul's life. You know what Paul was? He was a man of deep passion. Listen, some of you men and maybe some of you ladies have served in our military. I'm going to tell you, if I would have ever served in the military and I would have ever got in a firefight, I wouldn't want somebody that when the bullets start flying, they're going to take off running. And Paul says, this is the work of God. Listen, we can't have people running off. We've got to have people that have a heart for God. That was Paul didn't dislike John Mark. He just understood, listen, this is the work of God. It's something that is very serious. And Paul was very passionate about the work of God. Well, David was the same way. David was passionate. Read the Psalms again. He was the sweet psalmist of Israel. David was very passionate. Sometimes people look at me and they say, Pastor, listen, you're a little over the top. You know, why, do you, why, you know, why are you like this? Well, excuse me, this isn't my work. This is the church of the living God. You need to understand that God has a way. David had the same passion in his life. Notice David's passion, first of all, was restrained because of Abigail. Again, this deep passion was flowing from David. And, and, and David, listen, had made his mind up, but God restrained him until Abigail could come to David. And to David's credit, here's the best part. David actually listened to Abigail. Let me put it this way. He was a man... And he listened to a woman. You know how us men are when our wives try to tell us something. We know better. Why is it when they came out with GPSs that the default voice is a woman's voice? Why is that? You know? And you know what most of us men did? 
one of the greatest things was we found out you could change the setting. And so we'd find some guy on there, and, and, and you know what? It was never the same whenever you would change it to some man's voice, you know? But, but look, Abigail comes in, and what does she do? She restrains by her spirit David his, from what he wanted to do. David listened to her. You know what Abigail became? She became a peacemaker. You know, my wife's done that for me so many times. I just want to be like, I just want to cut somebody's ear off. I just want to, I just want to, you know, and my wife's like, now come on, you know, I'm like, but you don't understand how they've been, how they've treated me, you know, and, and sometimes we, we just want to get in the flesh and that's exactly what Nabal was doing. Look at Proverbs 25, he that hath no rule over his own spirit. Anybody else like that? <laughs> Look what the Bible says, is like a city that is broken down without walls. You, you'd understand the Old Testament that that's the defense that they had was the city had walls. Why did Nehemiah go and rebuild the wall? Because it was the defense for the city. See, if there's no defense, then you know what's going to happen. That's what happens with our spirit is, is our spirit gets that way. We have no rule over it. Look at James says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to what? Swift to hear, slow to what? Speak. And what's those next three words? Slow to, to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Look, you just need to let God handle it. You know how God was handling it in David's life? He sent Abigail. And interesting, the instruments God uses. God uses Abigail here. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. See, David's passion was restrained. David wanted naturally to destroy Nabal. His passion seemed justified, but he restrained his passion. So that, listen, here's a good thought this morning is, by restraining his passion and not destroying Nabal, a greater work could be accomplished. See, his passion was restrained, but notice his patience was rewarded. Because David did the right thing, what Abigail brought to David and his men, it, listen, remember Nabal said, I'm not going to share my food. Guess what Abigail did? You can read it yourself there, verses 36 through 42. Abigail brought so much food to David and his men that it took multiple donkeys to carry it. I mean, I don't, you know, listen, I wonder what Nabal thought when he, when he saw all that food leaving. And he, he says, look, I'm not going to share, I'm not going to give them one piece of bread. But here she does. She brings all this and David and his men, their needs were met with abundance. Sometimes what happens is when we jump ahead of God, when we try to take things in our own hands, look, if David would have killed Nabal and destroyed his family, let me ask you this, would he have been blessed of God? No, but he received this blessing because he was patient towards God. He listened to counsel. James 1, 4, let patience have her what? Perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. So like David, guess what? We're going to find ourselves sometimes being provoked by people, being mistreated by people, and there needs to be. Look, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning, but some of you just need to say, and you don't have to be a woman to do this. Some of you just need to say, I'm going to be an Abigail. I'm going to learn to be a peacemaker. That's what God wants for us to do. Moses, he, he pled for the children of Israel. Abraham pled for Lot. 
Paul pled for the brethren, are you interested in interceding for someone today? There are people today that need, watch this, here's, here's one side, here's the other side. There needs to be someone like an Abigail, someone like Jesus that will intercede. But watch this, if there is counsel, are you willing to receive it? Don't just seek counsel, but receive counsel. I dare you to receive wise counsel. Because I want to tell you, if you do like David did, guess what's going to happen? God's going to bless your life. He's going to bless your life, all right? Well, thank you for being in Sunday school this morning. If you're visiting with us, we want you to hang around, enjoy the morning service.